Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every Hey everyone, Chris and Walker here, and we have two special guests. We have we're doing a um, the Healing Room show, so of course we have the amazing Martha Jiknowski. Hi, Martha. Hi, Kristen. Nice to see you. <laughs> and we yep. also have Adam Klugman, who's been on the show before, um, doing other shows. Hi, Adam. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Martha. <laughs> Hi, Adam. So we're gonna talk today about people that are what you call an empath. So this is beyond just having empathy. These are people that are givers in the world that actually part of their, what, you know, makes them tick is their joy of giving that that's how they, you know, operate in the world is, is in the giving and something that Adam and I have worked on together. I don't know how many months, Adam, have we been doing the alarm clock thing? Oh, uh, God, it's been probably about six months. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Adam and I are both giver, 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 givers. And, um, and I said one day, or Adam said, I don't even remember at this point, but we said, you know, we really need to learn how to receive. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, we know how to give. Like, got it. Got that. Got it. It's <laughs> A in the class. No, right. no one in the dunce corner. You get the gold sticker. Good. Right. You know, but we're not so hot at, at receiving and we also beat the living shit out of ourselves in our own head. Like no, Martha said this to me today when we were talking, nobody needs to tell me anything um, negative about myself or be crappy in any way, because what I say in my own head is I've heard it all before because I've said it to myself. But anyway, so we, the, as empaths, we give, 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 give. And I told Adam or Adam told me, let's set our alarms every day at 11, 11 a.m. Um, just to remind each other at that time to just sit for even two seconds and say, I gratefully receive. Like, yeah, that, that, that was your awesome. contribution. That was such a great idea. Because uh, I'll I'll be in the middle of my day. I'll be in the middle of, you know, even being really cranky about something. And and my phone will go ping and I'll look over and it says gratefully receive. And it's just like, it's a stoplight. You know, it's just, I just pause. And sometimes, as you said, I get two seconds. But it's the reminder. uh, It's such a power. 
powerful little tool because it's it's almost like becomes part of my autonomic nervous yes. system you know it just happens without my will and and then i just get come up against it and get reminded um so it's really powerful i, I love that because i think the key for empaths is is learning to receive um we end up getting drained because we love to give and but it can become becomes codependent at a certain point right it, it yes. un we were talking about this if it's not intentional it becomes a way of of sacrificing oneself out of obligation it becomes really messy so the gift of empathy becomes uh this enmeshed codependent way of being with others in which we end up feeling like well what am i getting out of this and there's resentment and deficit and this feeling of well i'm being cheated here you know and i just so many times i've i've given and given and given and still felt like the end result was why i came up short i'm like what what Wait a minute. Right. I'm, I'm not right here. Or, or that you give and give and give and give, and and then somebody turns around and tells you, you know how, you know you aren't giving enough. And I'm like, now right. I, I used to not. I just would be like, oh gosh, I must give more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> great, great setup for being around a lot of narcissists, but uh, right. you know they'll take. In fact, this makes me laugh. This makes me laugh because I did interview Dr. Jim Fallon, and he'll think this is funny if he even listens to my show, which I doubt he does. But um, interviewed him once, and empath inter uh, inter interviews a psychopath because he wrote a book about how he's a psychopath. He has he did a PET scan and has all the genetic correlates and all this kind of stuff, but. Um, he said to me, so you really like, do you get energy out of when you talk to someone looking for ways that you can help lift them up? And do you notice, do you notice like things about them that you can say that would make them smile or make them happy? Or, you know, I said, God, yeah, that is like, that gives me energy. And he goes, God, that must be exhausting. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> that seems like, like a healthy response. <laughs> <laughs> because he he's like he hates it he he tries to behave that way so he appears normal because he goes i literally don't care he even said on the interview i mean i i asked you about being abused as a kid and uh, kristen because i feel like that's something that i should have done but i really don't care <laughs> mm. wow <laughs> well, okay. really honest I, okay i salute his honesty i really do and you know this this particular subject has has been in the forefront of my mind for the last couple of weeks and 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 I've had a lot of uh you know discussion with my guides about this and they were very emphatic when they said you, you know you talk about empaths be, you know getting exhausted well we're exhausted because we don't do for ourselves what we do for other people yeah and you know yeah. we we just don't we don't and 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 we are so intent on showing other people their goodness and their greatness their inherent greatness that we forget about our own and oh, it is God, that yeah. inherent greatness that allows us to be empaths <laughs> so my guys have been have been asking mm. me and it's been a very interesting little trip here my guides have been asking me questions such as, what is it that makes you great? And my answer to that was, I don't know that I am. Mm. And, and they said, well, how can you give that away to somebody else if you don't know it about yourself? Which I, I thought know. was very clever. I've thought of that and, too. And, 
you know, my guys do that to me a lot. They really yeah, do. I was going to say, you got pretty people. smart guys. They outfoxed you. <laughs> they do. All the, good point, all Adam. the time. They outfoxed all Martha. The time. They're doing a good job. Yeah. Well, yeah. That, but, uh, you know what? They know how I learn. And, 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 you know, I, this is how I learn, you know, show me where I'm coming up short and, and I'll be able to fix that, you know, and, and they also said to me, you know, everybody spends so much time thinking about what they are not, all the things that, that are bad about themselves or negative God. about themselves. Yeah, I have the a list that, of I, Oh, well. And the list of good know, things, things could fit like on a post-it note. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You know, we go through our lives <clears throat> mapping out intentionally or unintentionally who we're not. You know, all of the negative bad things that, that everybody has taught us to believe about ourselves. And we spend pra practically no time at all looking at ourselves and saying things like, hey, you're pretty awesome. You know that? Mm -hmm. Or look at this, this gift that you have. You ha you're so talented. I can say those things to other people, but I can't say them to myself very mm -hmm. easily. And my guides have said to me, okay, let's change the perspective that you have mm. you know let's start mapping your positive qualities and thinking about them you know and what you two are doing with the 1111 little zinger to remind yourself to be grateful it's mm. it's it, it kind of uh is is what my guides are talking about you know, you do it every single day until it becomes, you know, a really solid neural connection and it just happens uh, almost involuntarily. Mm. Thinking no. about your good points, thinking about your brilliance, thinking about your talents, your gifts, the good things about you. Let's map those out. Let's go to the source of all of that. Hmm. We're very good at mapping out our, uh, you know, our negative beliefs about ourselves. We can show you pie a charts grid. and a <laughs> grid. Yeah, chart, right. you know, <laughs> I mean, some of us have it written out in different languages and stuff like that. You right. know, mine's in pig Latin mostly. But yeah, pig Latin. Yeah, but <laughs> we don't spend any time saying to ourselves you know, you are really kind of awesome. Mm. Why do we do that? Why do we not do you, say that to ourselves? Do you think, because I feel like some of it is, is this, I feel like some of it is um, more, more so in my thirties, I mean my forties and I'm like so happy to get out of my forties next year, but I feel like my forties were when I woke up about and really saw uh, toxic, really narcissistic behavior, people that say that about themselves and they don't ever self-reflect on the horrible stuff that they do. Right. So to yeah. me, in some ways, I don't know if it's a number that that's done on me. That's probably what it is. But I feel like if I do that, if I explore how awesome I am, that I am then one of those people that I viscerally have been just, you know, almost destroyed by several times, you know? Well, you know, there's a difference, I think, Kristen, between, um, you know, 
being narcissistic in in how you speak to yourself and how you portray yourself to other people and acknowledging that you are an infinite being a luminous being you know a a, a speck of divinity you know you are not a drop in the ocean you are the ocean in a drop mm. that right there is inherently great it, it is, is inherently great and I'm not talking about examining, you know, things that will appeal to our, our human ego. I'm talking about examining things that we, that we would reflect if we did believe we were the ocean in a drop. Mm-hmm. Do, do, you under, do you see what yeah, I'm saying? Absolutely. There? I, I totally. You, you interpret that, exactly. Adam. Tell me. Yeah, I mean, I lo- I've never heard that expression before, that way of looking at it. We're not a drop in the ocean, but an ocean in a drop. And that is that is the the seed of our greatness, right? The, the germ of the greatness that, that, that we're talking about, and and so I, I heard that there was a quote from Marianne Williamson that that I heard when I was very young, uh, when I was studying the course in my twenties, and uh, said, uh, "We're not afraid that we're powerless. We're afraid that we're powerful beyond measure. It's our power right. that frightens us." And yes. um, I think that that for me the the it's so much about allowing right that that as i was listening to you guys talk i was thinking as i'm just sitting here talking that greatness is something that we let in we can make lists but sometimes lists for me can be like those affirmations that you make like i'm thin i'm thin i'm thin you know no i you know it doesn't really work i'm not thin i'm not getting thinner or what whatever whatever the affirmation might be because it's about that greatness is about this really important feeling that we have about ourselves that we know is true. And yeah. so the, the, the kind of, in a way, getting out of our own way and, and saying yes to that, coming into agreement with it and being willing to, to, to do, deal with the consequences of, of the power that comes along with it and, and take responsibility for the power that comes along with that. I think that's been, um, it's like making a claim on it. I think that's, the, and that's what where the lists come in, where where it feels like we have to make a a deliberate claim on that greatness. For what I don't have an answer as to why we tend to favor those negative aspects of ourselves. It could be enculturation. I I really don't know why. It, it just might be something inherent in the in the human ego and the in the human psychic construct, the way it's built. I don't I don't quite understand it. But I and maybe it's meant there as a bulwark so that when we do claim that we have to work through that all that negativity in order to make the claim but when we do it's something that we really earn spiritually soulfully something that 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 it's really about that the fulfillment of that and the overcoming of all that negativity and really receiving that greatness is really a, about some very important karmic step that we make as human beings when we come here I mean, that's to kind of extrapolate the macrocosm. So that was kind of what I was thinking about as you guys were talking. Mm-hmm. Like well, that. you know, I, I, I have to agree with you on that. And I also think that, uh, you know, those of us who are empaths and healers, uh, we tend to feel that we need to minimize our presence. You know, we, we walk with small feet on the planet. You know, it's not about us. It's about the the work that we do with other people 
So I think that, you know, acknowledging a, the idea of, of your inherent greatness may be a little bit something, a little bit of something that we can't deal with immediately. Mm. You know, I, this, this is, I can tell you for myself that I will purposely put myself in the back of the room every single time because it's not about me. It's about everybody else. Oh God. So when I run my I, whole company my, that way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. So when my guides started talking to me about, you know, let's take a look at who you are and let's, let's really reflect on the good things that are, that you're actually exhibiting to the world. Let's look at those things. I pulled away. Because I thought, oh, I don't want my ego to get involved here. But I also know that, you know, if you are a healer, an empath, you're not going to let your ego get involved in it because you know that that's dangerous. Hmm. And, and it will take you down a path that is not where you want to go. So that it, it involves trusting yourself, too, a little bit. Right. But... Um, you know, my people said to me, let's, let's take a look at who you really are and what your positive qualities are and, and change the focus of your thinking a little bit. You know, we're not trying to talk ourselves out of something. We're, we're acknowledging the reality of something that we've overlooked. And that was the bottom line. And, and I started doing that. And, and in the beginning, it was very uncomfortable. <clears throat> um, I don't like attention. And I don't like being in the spotlight. And all of a sudden, I was getting this attention. And, and it was a little disconcerting to me. But I understood what was going on. And I, and I allowed it to happen. And I was able to look at myself a little bit differently and it was very empowering, I have to say. Wow. So if we can just stop for a minute, say, well, you know, I have this problem with envy or greed, or I can't seem to find abundance anywhere. And I have to, you know, map my way into the origin of that consciousness in order to heal it and fix it so that I can be abundant. If we can stop doing that, for a minute and saying something like, you know, I am a luminous spirit. I am an, I am an infinite spirit. I am the ocean in a drop. I believe that makes me abundant, not abundant, but abundance. I am embody abundance. Let's explore that a little bit, you know, and walk down that road. Let's let's take ourselves mm. down the road where where we're going to see the good things that mm. we possess, and we we will always self-examine, mm. and I think that's good, you know. But I think that empaths have a tendency to overdo that. Well, and we have a tendency. Oh, I don't know. Maybe not all empaths do, but I have a tendency to, for a lot of different reasons. But I think a lot of it has to do with this empath thing where. I um, like I'll live in lack as if it's not spiritual for me to have a lot of money or to be 
my most physically attractive way I could make my appearance or, you know, whatever. Right. Like, like right. I think younger years, I certainly didn't, um, I didn't feel so much that way, but, um, but just, I'm telling you, I got the shit beat out of me in my 40s. Sorry, I keep saying the S-H-I-T word, but I mean, seriously, I just feel like I got the living <laughs> Shit beat out of me in my forties, and now uh, how do you like, how do you mean Ugh. how do you mean, Kristen? Like I don't you don't have to get into examples, but what was the what was the nature? Uh, I mean, is there a theme that you recognize? What was the nature? of What happened in your forties that say didn't happen in your thirties? I was I was more. Uh, this is like whatever that's called when you say misnomer. I don't know if that's what it's called, but anyway, I wasn't quite awake in my thirties and my twenties, I, I really feel like I, w I woke up in my forties and saw things, how they really are more than I ever had. And there's, there's a, there's a level of being able to just sort of plunder through life unawares that a lot of people I think live in all the time and can go a whole lifetime living that way, or maybe even many lifetimes living that way. But, um, you know, there's a kind of a safety in that. It's kind of like how I, how I have felt about depression at different times when you're really in it in a depressive episode, it's really, it's so much easier to say no, to not have little things bother you. Um, it's the coming out of the depression that can actually be even harder harder in some ways because then you look at all the stuff that you've not dealt with while you were so depressed. Mm. Um, and I kind of look at it like that. I was just not very uh, awake. I was trying to be, boy, was I trying to be. And then the, my forties came and, you know, cause I mean, hello, I had a horrible, you know, experience in childhood. So I kind of look at it like, well, was it worse than being molested? I mean, come on, it wasn't worse than that. It isn't, it's not about comparing Right. What happened in each decade? It's more that I just saw the the evil behind the mask in many ways with certain people. I saw, uh, I I saw, I just was awake. I just was like, oh my god! Like I can't, you know, you can't. I can't look away from reality anymore. I'm not, I'm not. Does that make sense at all? Yes, well, it does. It does. So so. I guess I'm I'm gonna just push a little bit and tell me if it if it gets uncomfortable. But the the so it sounded like what I heard you saying was that there was this that that in your twenties and thirties there there was there there was something in in you that you you said you weren't awake, and then in your forties whatever it was you weren't seeing in that not awakeness kind of came to wake you up. Oh God, right? yes, yeah. like so, so the like, wave comes in, right? Yeah, like people being so horrible so horrible that um or maybe not even so horrible me just seeing the horribleness in in human behavior that can be human behavior really mm -hmm. manipulative um you know kinds of behavior uh just I saw it. I saw it. I, 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 these people have always, you know, been hanging around and I just was too young, too stressed to the clout, the film is over my eyes, whatever, didn't mm -hmm. see it to the level at which I saw it in my forties. And boy, did I see it like, like a truck ran me over and went, okay, you can't deny it anymore. You know? <laughs> and, and was the nature of that, um, kind of in terms of your relationships with, with with people that suddenly you found yourself 
kind of being taken advantage of. You were somewhat blindsided by what happened in terms of relationships in your 40s. Was that how mm-hmm. it was manifesting? Yeah. I mean, I always have been blindsided by relationships. So it isn't that I wasn't previously. It's just that I, um, I really was conscious about about much more conscious about them. Um, and I don't mean to pit and say, oh, these bad people, I don't mean it like that at all because you know you learn from each of these things. And you know, I've definitely believe in soul contracts and some things that I thought were horrible. Now I can look at it and go, well, look at this person's back in my life. And that was an interesting time. But I, I just mean, I just, I didn't have the blinders on anymore. It was, and it, it didn't feel like a gradual removing of the blinders, even though it was. It mm. felt more like you've been wearing these really heavy duty glasses, the kind that you, when you go in and you have your eyes dilated. And so they wrap around your entire head. Like you've been wearing that until you, those until you were 40. And mm. instead of you wearing less covered up glasses, we're just going to knock those suckers off your head and you ain't wearing them anymore. So you're like, mm. that's what it felt right. like. <laughs> and you know, the, the, a lot of the discomfort from that comes from the fact that you now are seeing the world differently. You're seeing people in general differently and you may or may not have the coping mechanisms to deal with your new reality. And that is very, very uncomfortable. That was it, Martha. You just freaking summed it up. That was my forties. I did not have the tools to, Yes, whatever you just said that I can't even repeat. Say it again. Say that again. Say it again. Say it again. <laughs> say it again, Sam. Play it again, Sam. Yeah. Okay. All right. When when you have an awakening experience that that feels like it's an all of a sudden thing, and all of a sudden you're seeing people differently, you're seeing the world differently, you're seeing yourself differently. You don't have necessarily on board all of these new coping mechanisms that you need to deal with this new reality that you find yourself in. Mm. And so as you're going along, you're tripping over your feet, trying to get your sea legs in this new reality. And it's not an easy process. And this is what gives people so much pain because when life is not reflecting back to you in a way that's comfortable, we tend to blame ourselves for that. Well, em- empaths do, me. for sure. Yeah. And this I know a lot of people that just blame others. Same here. Same here. Well, I met them all in my 40s. No. Yeah. And you know what? That's a coping mechanism, blaming other people. And, and you know, or blaming yourself. That's another coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to make sense of this new world that you're in. Yes. You know, bottom line is you have to, it has to make sense to you. And, you know, as I'll speak for myself, uh, you know, my way would normally be to say, okay, I'm not coping well. What is my problem? What is wrong with me that, that is causing me to trip over my feet and fall over? Mm. And in reality, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just learning something new and different. And so my suggestion to everyone is, is if, it, if you find yourself in that place, 
put the the self-flagellation on the side for a minute and say, wait a minute, okay, this is a new and different world for me. Um, I know I have the tools to do this. Let's find them. Show me my tools. Ask your guides to help you get a healer, get, you know, uh, an intuitive to, to work find with Find Martha, you. which is what I did. <laughs> so, so I want to, I want to try to uh, ask you, Martha, like uh, uh, trying to tease out this distinction. So on the one hand, what happens, uh, Kristen's describing suddenly she was kind of, the wave came in from things that she wasn't seeing in her twenties and thirties and it kind of manifested in terms of relationships and found herself just kind of getting clobbered over and over again. And, and right. you know, I, I have my own version of that clobbered by something very different, but equally clobbered by a wave, a sneaker wave that I did not see because I wasn't looking for it. Right. I was too busy trying right. to try to fix it, I guess would be, you know, I was, I, I was chasing solutions to uh, that weren't going to apply to the actual problem that was gathering momentum in my life. But so, so the, the, the on the one hand, I agree, even though I do a lot of it, uh, getting better at not doing it, a lot of kind of self-flagellation and and self-blame and self-attack that 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 doesn't do anything but hurt hurt oneself but so right. but at the same time the way i like to live is well energetically if it's in my life i must have put it there right so mm -hmm. what are the forces how right how right. can we take live in full responsibility yeah and say, well, if it's in my life, I put it there. I'm a fully creative being. I can't blame anybody else. I don't want to beat the shit out of myself for this. At, at the same time that I want to take full responsibility, emotionally, spiritually, karmically. How, how, did, how did this person get in my life? How did this, how did this dynamic come to be in my life? And, and, and then at least, I guess I feel empowered at that point to do something about it. And that's kind of a, sometimes that's a fine line between taking responsibility and kind of self-attacking and, and self-blaming. Was that clear? Right, was that clear? right. So how yeah, you... I think I get, I think I get what you're saying. Uh, you know, when you find yourself in, in this position, what do you do? And, you know, it comes, it all, to me, it all comes back to number one, how are you interpreting your life? Are you a spiritual being in a body? And no. if you are, then your, your solutions and your answers are going to come from a different place than you're accustomed to. And they're going to be handed to you in a way that you're probably not accustomed to. Right. If you are the kind of person who is a fixer, who, you know, gets things done and, you know, it depends on uh, reality following certain rules and regulations. This may be a little bit difficult to deal with because you're starting to listen differently. You're starting to hear things differently. You are looking for resources that you have not used before. And you have to become aware of how this other way of doing business actually works. You know, we try to fit uh, our spiritual world into the world that we've been living all of our lives. And I think that's a little bit of a mistake. You know, we have to put all of that on the side for a minute and say, okay, this is all new to me. You know, like when, when you know, Kristen, when you said you were beginning to awaken in your 40s, the old way of doing business wasn't working for you anymore. 
So learning how that uh, uh, that other resource deals with you as a human being, the way it speaks to you, the way it communicates with you, the way it helps you to problem solve, you need to learn how to access that, hear the voice, recognize it, and and cooperate with that. We can't fit human solutions into a spiritual box. It just doesn't work that way. Mm. You know, when I say I talk to my guides, I mean, I talk to my guides. I listen to them. We have full on conversations. Mm. Now, most people don't do that. I do. And that is, (laughs) I'll tell you, they've never lied to me. They've saved my rear end from a lot of stuff. Um, I probably shouldn't be alive right now based on my past, but I am because I learned how to listen differently. I also made the judgment that the way most people operate in their life is not compatible with the world of spirit. If you are going to say to the world and to yourself, I am a spirit in a body. Well, okay, that's cool. I agree with that. I love that. I'm, you know, welcome aboard. But we need to learn how to deal with our world through that and not the way we've become accustomed to dealing with everything, problem solving and logic. It just doesn't work. So the other thing to understand also is that is not something that you can learn overnight. You know, becoming, uh, you know, more spiritually aware and doing things from that perspective, it's, it's a journey. It's a journey. And every day that you ask questions, every day that, that, that you acknowledge who you are, every day that you say, I want you to show me who I am, you're learning. You're, you're conditioning yourself to that other way of doing business. It's really a journey. Like it's not going to happen overnight. I'm but sorry. I, I like that. I like what you're saying. You know, it's, it's kind of, it's counter to, I tend to be kind of very analytic and, um, you know, uh, but what, what I love about what you're saying, Martha, is it's really the shortcut, right? You can try to figure it out in your head. You can try to, you know, as you say, you know, uh, try to fit human solutions to spiritual problems. It doesn't, it doesn't work either way, right? You definitely don't want to so take a human approach. Well, I'll just figure this out. But what I hear you saying, if I'm right, if I hear you correctly, is go right to the central question in, in the face of any yeah. challenge, which is show yeah. me who I am, who I really am. Yeah. And, and, and implied in that, I think back to our theme, which is receiving, in order for one to get the answer, one has to be available to receive the answer. And, 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 and that answer is, is a magnificent answer, right? It's that you're the ocean in a drop. And, and, right. and, and kind of displaces the problem energetically, right? So if there's more of this, I'm an ocean in a drop consciousness, if I'm constantly asking spirit to reflect my true nature, and to bring that forward. And I continually and incrementally continue to say yes to it. Eventually, it's, it's like, it, it, from God's point of view, th- there are no problems. It's just that problems dissolve in the mind of God, right? In the face of our m- 
most magnificent nature, there are no problems. So it's not like, oh, I've got to fix it and wire it in the presence of the answer to the question, who, uh, who am I really? Uh, the problem yeah, tends to solve. Right. And that's kind of the shortcut rather than trying to, you know, how many shrinks have I seen? You know, well, I'm going to, I'll just rewire this and then it will work. And, you know, you spent four years and $50,000 trying to rewire it and uh, it still doesn't, right. you know, and, and I spent a lot of time doing that. So I, I, if I hear you correctly, I absolutely love, love what you're saying. And I, I love that answer. Uh, I need to be reminded of that just to go right to the central question. Um, it takes care of all Well, things. yeah. You know, we, we spend so much time asking, I don't want to say the wrong questions, but questions that keep our, our attention focused where we don't choose to have it focused. And, you know, if I truly want to embody what I believe in to be true, what I know to be true, that I am the ocean in a drop, well, I have to turn my attention away from the idea that I need to uh, uh, ask questions that are logical and fit into the human paradigm. I am going to go over there and say, okay, guys, surprise me. Mm. Show me something really, really wonderful. And, and, and you know, let me, let me experience who I really am in a very tangible way. I love that. You know, I'm also I am also a very logical person. I I, I tend to to uh, walk with one foot in each world. I had to have this kind of way of thinking. You know, in the the work that I did prior to this, mm-hmm. uh, you have to be able to juggle a thousand things at, at one time. And and I'm also a believer that any spiritual concept or idea that we have really is going to uh, uh, take root and show itself in the human experience somehow. So I'm always going to ask, show me, show me, show all of me. Don't just give me the feeling of home. Let me see home while I'm here. And, and, you know, doing, but I'm looking at it from an entirely spiritual perspective and really quite selfish because I miss home and I want to see home and I want to experience it here. Yes. And, and yes. you know, so when you're thinking in, the, in that way, you're turning your attention away from all of the quote unquote problems. Right. You know, and I end up reinforcing the problem with my attention on right. the problem. And uh, why isn't so this problem? We're, we're How do I fix this problem? And I end up making well, the problem we, real. Well, you do. You keep it alive. You fan the flames. You know, what you pay attention to grows in, in this reality. And, you know, when you stop fanning those flames and you start looking in a different direction, um, you're, you're doing several things simultaneously. Not only are you uh, looking at... Uh, a, a way of thinking and believing that is much kinder and much more uh, loving. And you're also reinforcing the neural connections in your brain, you know, like your daily 1111 thing, you know, you're, you're going to, before you know it, it's going to be automatic. Right. And after years and years and years of doing what I do, it is still, I still have my challenges, but it is automatic. I'm a spirit first. 
I'm here to have a human experience. This is not the be all and end all. My spiritual being came here for a reason. And it's not to hate myself or put myself down or to be destroyed. It is here to remember who I am and bring that remembrance into the human experience for my benefit and everyone else's. So let's let's take a look at ourselves from that angle and learn how to see the beauty in who we are and the in the inherent goodness and and power. And I don't like using that word, but I I think in this uh, uh, connotation it's okay because let's face it if you're the ocean in a drop you got some power underneath your hood yeah it's not it's not power over it's personal power it's not power over others it's one's personal which which has all kinds of uses for our own fulfillment and none of which has necessarily has to do with power over someone else um and i think that's that's that, that empathic gift becomes a natural temperance but if one is a kind of instinctively empathic, which is where we kind of started with this conversation, the idea of power seems antithetical to that. Well, I don't, I don't want power, but right. it's not power over. It's, it's personal power. And, and this is what I, I was thinking a little bit about was, was this idea that, okay, so, so if, if there's a, I'm not always comfortable with nouns saying I am an empath. Nouns don't are, are make me a little uncomfortable. Um, and that may be a receiving issue, but 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 I, I am I am very comfortable identifying my empathic nature and identifying it as as one of the gifts that I've been given in this life that I haven't always used to to my own benefit, right? Um, so, how, how can you expand on that, Adam? If, if if I mean I hear what you're saying, and I love the way you phrased it that you're embracing your empathic gift, right? How can you turn that into a journey of self-discovery and self-love and self-appreciation mm. by embracing that part of yourself? This, this is what I'm saying. Mm. Let's look at ourselves and who we are. Uh, you know, even something teeny weeny tiny, you know, expand on that. Let's look at that and, and find some wonderful things that that will uh, inform your self belief. Hmm. Does that make sense? Oh, it does. I'm just, I'm just, I'm now. I'm thinking. <laughs> That's a great question. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't have a I, I don't have a question. I mean, an answer at the ready. But I well, I was feeling into it, and and the the uh, it was expanding a little bit. Uh, this idea of reframing kind of what, what Christian was saying about, you know, I, I have this gift and it, it, and we, we get tangled up in it. But what if we just, my impulse to answer the question wasn't that I had an answer for you so much as to myself to what about just beginning to inquire into it? Like you were saying, just yeah. it's an inquiry. Yeah. So how, how does this become a gift? How does this become something that I receive um, that, that fills me rather than depletes me? What is the nature of it? Why, why have I been given this? And, and in itself, that's a receiving. In other words, in order to do it, like I said, I'm not always comfortable with nouns, but, but, it, but there has to be a, a full receiving of it in order to inquire into it. So, okay, an acceptance. Well, yes, I have a gift. I, like you have a gift of, uh, of empathy. 
all right, I have to claim that, and then I can ask the question, what's, why, what, what, what is the nature of that gift? What's its highest use for me and others? What, how does it serve best? How does it serve me and others best, right? So I at least can begin right. to make the claim and then the inquiry. Well, you know, I, I think it, it comes back to acknowledging uh, the totality of that being that we call the creator, that we are, you know, a spark of that divinity. We are an individuation, if you will, of that spirit, mm -hmm. of that being. Yes. And as such, we embody all of those characteristics that makes the deity what it is. We just come into a place where we are, we forget. Mm. And there's a reason why we forget. And I'm not sure exactly what it is, but I have my ideas. That's another show. But, you know, we, we have to, I guess, buy into the notion that if I'm an empath, it's because the creator's an empath. And I'm a, I'm a you know, little individuation of that being. And if that's true, holy cow, what else am I? What else is available to me? What else is on board that I can access, uh, you know, th that I can use in my own life and, and to help other people? You, you, have to, you have to have that basic understanding that you are an individuated piece of that divinity. If you buy into that, then you need to also buy into the idea that you embody all of those characteristics. You just don't remember them all because that's inherent in a human experience. Once you start, you know, letting all of these things roll around in your head and you're thinking about them. And, and another thing that you said, Adam, was you're feeling into it. Yes. You're feeling into it. That is the language of spirit mm, yeah. you're feeling into it you're not you know using logic you're not using all of that left brain uh you know construct that we use to figure out daily life here mm. you're feeling into it and that's how you do it that's mm. how you listen that's how you receive answers mm. so following that road if, if you just take those two ideas and walk around with them, play with it, throw it back at the universe and say, is this wrong? Am I getting this wrong? Tell me what's right. And, mm. and just let it be. And you will feel your way into it. I guarantee it. Mm. I, you can't I, logic this. I feel <laughs> like my next... I remember being on your table and having that whole experience about uh, time. And I've been told that was a, that was a near death yeah. experience. And I didn't have to die to have it. And, you know, I've told, been told these different things and it was very profound. So I really look at time differently now. I do not see it as needing to take forever for things to happen. And, you right. know, but I, I still feel a bit of a timeline in terms of um, my next decade of life as a human being sure. where time is sure. part of our experience and you know it is that is way more focused on the feeling of things the trusting that inner journey um 
it, it, and it's, it's funny because it's not so different than what has been said, you know, forever. Like you're as a kid, you're the closest to it. And then you forget as you, you know, as a baby, you're the closest to spirit and then you forget everything yeah. and your whole life yeah. is spent getting back to that, um, that experience of just being all feelings. Let's what, what is a baby, but a little creature that feels everything. And so I feel yeah. like my fifties or okay, my forties, I had a big old lot of wake up and see things. And even some of the work that you and I did where I, you would tell me, you're just going to start seeing things, you know, the, the glass, the lenses are getting clearer. And I remember one of them yeah. where I was walking next to a, like a, um, I was in New York or something and I was walking next to this slatted fence and I was walking very fast. And so for a nanosecond, as I'm walking, I could see through the slats and there was a huge world a huge world yeah. and that was right. heaven or whatever, all that we can be and seeing ourselves is what we truly are. But I could only see it as a human being walking really fast and seeing through the slats. Right. And right. so I feel like in my, um, in my fifties, I'm going to be able to see, you know, more through the slats. Like even I'll be able to just stand there and really, look at it and really go within instead of instead of searching seeking 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 for what's out there which i've spent a lot of time doing and that's part of the journey i'm really going to go more into what's in here yeah yeah and it like i said it is a journey we are not listen if we all of a sudden woke up to absolute truth it would fry our circuits and we would disappear. We couldn't handle it. Right. We can only handle, seriously, I mean, no, we true. can only handle a little bit at a time. It's like, and, Adam, it's, and, it's like this. It's like, and I, I'm sorry, Martha, I just got to tell Adam this because this is so funny. I remember when I first went to Martha, I literally was like crawling on fumes, which is how I feel right now. Like I'm crawling on fumes, but I go to see Martha in my mid forties. I'm crawling on fumes to get to her house. <laughs> and she said, okay, well, listen, we, there's a lot of work we got to do. Um, you know, come once a month. And I was like, no, I want the express train version. I'll be here three times a week. <laughs> but we had to like negotiate that. No, you'll come once a week. <laughs> uh, I understand that feeling. No, I'm yeah, coming. Three times a week yeah. and I'll be here. I'll say, I'll just be on the porch. If you feel like you want to, I'll be ready. I'll just have, I won't bother you. I'll sleep here. It's fine. Just when you're ready, just come get me. But, but, I, but that process is a process of, of letting go, right? I mean, I think that what happens is you're, you're saying, I'm ready to let go of my defenses and I feel incredibly vulnerable and I want to anchor somewhere. So it's actually a good sign, but, I, but we're laughing because, uh, because we can all identify with that, with that feeling of you have to be with me every moment because I'm ready to let go. And when you find someone like Martha, who's so empathic and so wise and so loving, Man, do you do you want to fall into that person's arms? I I, I have that I, I have that <laughs> oh, yeah. Martha myself, so oh, uh, yeah. I really understand. <laughs> well, let me just say this about that: uh, both of you, both of you, are in my arms all the time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you're, 
all the time. You are in my heart and in my arms all the time. Both of you are. And I think you're both extraordinary people and so incredibly dedicated to doing what you came here to do. Uh, I look at both of you and I see, you know, and I used the word powerful before. I see these these two powerful beings and, you know, I see what you have been in other lifetimes. I see what you looked like when you were home and you two are forces to be reckoned with. You are coming here to do your work, doggone it, and you're going to do it no matter what it takes. And, you know, sometimes all of us, all of us just need to know that where we sit right now, right now, is okay. We're not anywhere we shouldn't be. We are exactly where we need to be right at this moment in time. And we are learning exactly what we need to learn. We're right on time. And, and we're all extraordinary, all of us. I know where we come from. I've seen it. I've been there. I've experienced it. And if you knew, if you had any idea, anybody who is listening to this, if you had any idea who you really were, you wouldn't waste another minute of your life in fear. But to get to that point, there, it takes a lot of guts. One of my favorite sayings is, and, and I used this a lot after my son died, uh, because life was unrecognizable to me. And I had no idea where I was or what I was doing. I just lost my baby. Mm. And, and I knew, I knew deep inside that, A, my son and I agreed to this dance. And B, there is a profound reason why we both experienced this and the rest of my family as well. I just didn't know how to proceed. I didn't know how to move forward because I was terrified. If you can lose your child, anything can happen. Yes. Okay? That will inspire a terror inside of your heart that you can't even imagine. And I went back, to, I used every ounce of will that I had. I walked up to it figuratively and I said, I'm scared, but I do this anyway. That's my, that's my mantra. I'm scared, but I do this anyway. I don't have to understand it right now. But I know enough about how this works and I know that that my spiritual family is with me and they love me and I am protected and I'm safe and I'm good. And I trusted that. And I said, I'm scared, but I do this anyway. Mm. And I just put one foot in front of the other, no matter what happens, I'll put one foot in front of the other one day at a time. But ultimately, ultimately, you know, everybody I am talking to right now, is going to find that place inside of themselves eventually that will allow them to live a life without fear. Mm-hmm. And that, that, and if we learn to love and appreciate who we truly are, we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. We're going to get there. That's- so a life without fear, conversely, is a, is a life lived in full expression of love, right? 
I mean, uh, uh, so I ask, okay, sure. if, I ha- if I lived, what would my life look like if I lived without fear? And I, I'm assuming people are listening. There isn't anybody out there that doesn't, doesn't live with it. Uh, and also with the understanding that it's, it's, it's the thing that's in the way of our real fulfillment as beings. And mm-hmm. so, so how, yeah. A, how do we get there? How, what do we have to know in order to live a life mm-hmm. without fear? And if we did, what would be the benefit of that? What, what, what would a life without fear look like? Oh, that's, that's <laughs> profound. That is actually for this, the stuff that especially I felt like, you know, well, you got to go out with a bang for this year, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so I look at that, like in looking at things that way, Adam, I can look at this year and go a lot of stuff, weird, uncomfortable uh just things that, you know, anybody that doesn't like me would go, ha, she got what she deserved maybe in some ways. Who knows? Who knows? Whatever. But there was a year filled with those kind of odd just things that I fully examined. Go, how am I creating this? You know, all those things that you do when you're someone that, that does look and take responsibility for life. But I will say this. I am so much closer to being able to go, it didn't kill me. And going and living without fear in that way. I think, you know, there's healthy fears, but if that's really it, like if that's really what we're, what is true, which I believe that it is, then boy has this year been so good at making me go, okay, you know, like, hey, keep, keep, keep going that, that, you know just keep on. Like, it doesn't matter. This stuff that happened that could, you could say is embarrassing or is horrible or is whatever. Okay. And next, (laughs) you know what I mean? And not afraid and not afraid to do stuff that is really, instead of it making me cringe. And I think maybe in some ways, um, you know, Martha, you and I have talked about, you know, things come into your life, other beings or spirits or whatever come into your life and they're there to wreak havoc because that's what they do. We have to say, okay, wait a minute. I know who I am and you know the rules. Leave now. Like I have to remind myself to say that. You told me about that. And so this year was a lot of that manifesting in a human form, people showing up that are, are just there to be malevolent and me going, you know what? You don't have power over me. You don't have power over my narrative. You don't, so you can go away now and them kicking and screaming about it and throwing fits about it, but going away and me being like, yeah, God, I survived that <laughs> nonsense. You know what I'm saying? And that, that was you experiencing non-fear. Yeah. You know, when, when, when bad, bad, bad things, and I'm, I'm judging by using that word bad, but you right. know what I it's mean? It's all relative. Yeah. Come in. Yeah. Come into our lives. You know, we can look at those things one of two ways. Oh my God, I'm not going to survive this. Why am I being punished? Right. Or, okay, what is this trying to teach me? 
Yeah, why am I being you know, such an idiot? When, That's another way you can look at it. <laughs> well, that, yes, there's another way, but it sounds nothing, really, to, to say that. It's true. So, right. you know, after, after a while, you start to get down to the bare bones. Either this is going to kill me or it's not. I prefer not to die right now. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. How can I use this to make my experience here more helpful to me and, and other people? And I learned that when I survived my son's sickness and death, mm. I survived it. I can survive anything. And, and you know, like my fear quotient has gone down like 70% because the very worst thing right. that could happen to me happened and I survived. Right. And I was able to learn from it and grow from it and learn new things about myself and, and the world of spirit. And, you know, that situation has allowed me to give many, many gifts to many different people. And that's what my son's sacrifice was. He allowed himself to go through this so that his mother could give out all of these gifts. And, mm. and it sounds weird and stupid, but it's true. Yeah. And, and, you know, so you walk up to these challenges and, you know, maybe your knees are shaking, but you stand there and you say, I don't understand any of this and I'm scared, but I'm doing it anyway. And that's all there is to it. See you later. And just go about your business. And, and you will be surprised the kind of resources that pop up on your behalf. You will be surprised. But it always, it's always there. It's always there. Mm. And, and Kristen, right now, the, the, the person that you are in the spirit that you are is so much stronger, more evolved and, and knowledgeable and filled with wisdom than the, the person that you were 10 years ago. Oh, God, What yes. a wonderful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hands down. And win, win. and get this. While I was you know, one uh, not so hot behaviorally person coming in and uh, being surrounded by that whatever you know everywhere I look, now it's that is once in a blue moon that that happens. I am yeah. literally surrounded by it. people like Adam, people like you. I mean, Adam, you're my soul brother. That's just the way that it is. And for sure. And I'm, and I'm lucky because like Joe, my editor, he's another soul brother. And I mean, like I, the, the, it's a complete opposite. So, okay. So I see where this is, where we're coming back to. So the reframing of how we look at it. So instead of me going, Oh God, all this stuff, da, 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 which had to do it to get to here. It's okay. Now I can go, Oh, all that was necessary. And look at what happened. Now I'm surrounded yeah. by these awesome, look at this whole freaking network. And that's just the network. That's not even all my friends on top of that. I am surrounded by amazing people. And every so often an asshole gets in. Yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> right. Right. Well, right. 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 <laughs> this life, you know, I mean, they do make life more colorful. Let's say that. Yeah. Right. You know. But but right. it, but but choosing to even just choosing to look at it that way instead of oh my like what I called you before we even got on the show today and was like I don't know what I'm doing. 
I'm looking at, I'm looking at it through that narrow. I'm not looking through the slats in the fence. And now after our talk, I get what you're saying. Like, I feel it. I feel it in my bones. Ah, the shift. Now I'm looking through the slats in the fence. Hmm. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. And, and, you know, all it takes to see what's on the other side of that fence is a different perspective. Right. You stop walking and you look through the, the flat yeah. and there it is. You stop. No big okay. deal. Yes. And Adam, remember how, you know, you and I have talked about uh, Adrian, who we have both been to see. And she had said to me, you need to rest the rest of this year. You just mm. need to rest the rest of this year. Guess what? I have, I'm, I've been resting my body, but my brain has been like, you need to get up. You need to be doing these things. What are you doing? Take on this. Mm-hmm. Well, my body is exa- My body is like listening to you need to rest. But now <laughs> that I see through the fence, I'm like, no, your ass is going to rest up here yeah. and in here. Yeah. Good. That's Figuratively really good. speaking, stand there and, and in your mind, Stand when 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 those voices start start really harping at you, just put the picture in your mind of standing still and looking through the slat, and and you know know that that behavior that motion right there is just as important and just as weighty a thing to do as making five hundred phone calls. Yeah. It's not more. Right. That's true. And Be and still. give yourself give yourself permission to do that. It's important. We're learning a new way of, of operating and, and that's part of it. And you know, Adam, I mean, when you think about it, and I know this is true for Martha too, but you and I even have so much to do together. Mm, I'm looking I mean, forward to that. We really do. Creatively, all the things that just excite you know whenever you you find what it is you really like to do and then it comes to you and it's something that also is good for the world mm. i mean that we have a lot to do and i can't do it properly i can't do it to all that it deserves if i don't take this rest so in that respect i'm like yeah. honor right. this time yeah because i got i got stuff to do that's amazing and i need to be able to do it Self-care yeah. is a big part of receiving. Uh, yes. Right? You know, that's the yep. brain. Like your body's receiving it, but your brain's going, no, 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 no. I, yeah. I can't have this time. This isn't mine. I, I, I've got to be busy. I, I, I got to get busy here. Come on, Kirsten. Get up, get up, get going. Right. Um, because it, it, that receiving is, is sometimes it, it can be, you know, I was talking to Martha about this the other day. She, you know, her whole thrust for me is like, just relax and allow it to happen. Right. And what I experienced was, I would not like a total lack of agency. Like I'm not interested in anything. I don't want to do a damn thing. Yes. I'm not going to move until I moved. And it was, <laughs> and it was, it was hard. It was, just, it's disconcerting. Like, yes. oh, wait, I've got things I've got to do. But, but I do think that there's something really transformative about that as I'm in the midst of it. Uh, I'm still battling my way through it with the ego going, well, get busy. Um, right. I'm finding that, that the, the stuff that I don't want to do is falling away and I'm letting it. And the stuff that does want to come through is starting to find its way through me. Um, and then I'm naturally motivated to do it rather than, right. because, you know, I spent my life kind of chasing windmills and I, I don't want to chase windmills anymore. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm either yep. slaying dragons or I'm sitting at home, you know, <laughs> figuring out what I'm going to do next. Yes. But yes. No yes. more windmills. Right. <laughs> oh no more God. windmills. So I, 
a year of windmills for me. Yes, yes, yeah, everything you're saying, totally. Oh my God. I've been chasing windmills for a long time. The last thing I want to say, and I know we're going to wrap up, it's been a wonderful conversation. Totally. Very much. Um, you know, we're talking about assholes, and a few assholes get in. I've also found it. <laughs> speaking of assholes, uh, I know a few. Um, I, uh, but, but I also think that part of receiving is, I mean, my experience sometimes with, with the receiving aspect is there, I can feel this blessing that wants to come through me and, and, and it can't find room, right? There's no room. Or maybe sometimes it wants to land on the place where I feel most injured. So it moves in for a minute and then I go, ow, because it's, I haven't cleared the space for it, you know? And so back to the subject of assholes. There, what I've done this year is thrown a couple of assholes out of my life. And it was, it was reasonably painful, but not that hard. There was really more relief. I mean, standing up to people and just saying, you know, I just don't, I just, that behavior is not acceptable to me. And I don't think we can be friends anymore. And, yeah. and then, and taking full ownership of it. And I had an ex interesting experience the other day. A very dear friend and I went out to lunch. And um, he, sometimes he's just this wonderfully empathic guy. And sometimes he's just, completely unattuned and uh we went out to lunch and he was, he was constantly interrupting me and he's a lovely guy but he kept interrupting me and he, he went on and on about this movie that he saw i mean i'm talking on and on it was like 15 minutes and then 20 minutes and then nancy called and i was like uh, i took the phone i'm like okay you know trying to change the subject and he went back to it and finally i said you know we've been sitting here for over an hour and you haven't asked me one question about myself You've demonstrated absolutely no interest in me. And if I didn't love you, I would just walk away from this conversation and go, I don't think, I think that's it for me. But I want to let you know that, that that's, I'm not interested in coming here and you not demonstrating any interest in me. I've demonstrated real interest. It, it has to be mutual. And it was really hard and scary. You know what I mean? It, it was hard to do it. I had that kind of breathless feeling, you know, that kind of thrown into cold water as I was doing it. And, and it was a weird experience too, because as I was doing it, I had been, I've been thinking he's got to stop now and, 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 and he wouldn't. And then when it finally came out, it was, it was as if it had, it just spilled over. I found myself, I didn't make the choice to say it. It just was suddenly coming out and it was this kind of surreal moment, but he was a cool enough person and, and loved me enough to say, you know what? You're right. And mm -hmm. can I just get a coupon? Would you be willing to rip a coupon out of the book for me on this one? Cause you're right. And I'm really sorry. Uh, wow. And it was, it was, it was progress for me. And, 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 but progress in that I made space. I, I, I increased the bound, the space that where the blessing can go in. I didn't allow that to intrude. It seems like a small thing, but that stands within myself. What kind of message does that send to the universe about my readiness? I'm ready. I'm ready. And I'm willing to yeah. defend the, the, the boundary of this. What's what I feel sacred and what I value about myself universe goes, oh, maybe this guy's ready to receive, you know? So, and, yeah, and it was, yeah, it was instinctive, yeah. you know, I just did it instinctively. So I just wanted to add that since we were talking about assholes and this guy isn't an asshole. Uh, <laughs> he was just acting like one, you know, uh, right. for, for on that day. <laughs> right. <laughs> so anyway, I throw that out for the listeners too, because there's, there's a practical application of receiving. And yes. I think that we have to make space to receive the blessing. And if we're all dysfunctional and our boundaries are all screwed up, there's no place for it to land. And that's our responsibility to the blessing. Oh, and so let's not forget one other important thing about receiving. You know, the universe 
without fail, without fail, gives us what we focus on, what our, you know, our attitudes, beliefs, everything that is, is our core feeling about ourselves, mo mostly. And if we're paying attention to our problems more than we're paying attention to, to receiving blessings, guess what? You're going to get more problems. So <laughs> yeah. part, right? So part of all of this, you know, let's look at who we are and celebrate the, the, the wonderful things about ourselves is turning our direction towards where we really want to be. These are the things we want to receive good, life-affirming, wonderful, exciting, happy things. Mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, that's part of receiving too, you know, having a better opinion of ourselves and what we focus on. But that, that, that was a great story, Adam. Oh, <laughs> yeah, thank you. It was, uh, uh, <laughs> I feel like it's the beginning of something organic, not something I have to enforce. It just it kind of enforces. That's right. Yeah. 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 There you yeah. go. Mm. Awesome conversation, you guys. Thank yes. you so much. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you both. And listeners, I want to say thank you to you for tuning into another episode of The Healing Room with Mark Jeknowski and Adam Klugman and me. I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps, or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all we promised, we'd be cordial.